with all of these men with different backgrounds, Lord, uh, different religious affiliations, but all that doesn't really matter because we're here with a common goal to hear about you and what you have to say because it's what, what's in our heart that really matters. We're so thankful for our speaker today, and we ask that you bless him. Somebody needs to hear what he has to say this morning, so we're just so glad to hear him, so glad to have him, thankful that he's a partner with us at MCS. We just ask that you bless this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Let's turn the control the back. Right about there. Very good. Well, I get the honor of introducing Major General Bob Hayes. He had a career of 31 years serving in the U.S. Army. You read the first paragraph of his bio, pretty impressive, a list of assignments, uh, commander, and uh, just a, a wonderful career of serving our country and being a leader. And I think if you read on, you'll notice that, uh, and he would probably agree with the statement that um, the work he did even after that career is just as important as work he did inside of that career, trying to help others, teach others about being resilient, how to bounce back, difficult situations happen and uh he's he's done that all the way along probably give us more insight as he works with um, veterans and, and keeping people going in life and putting god into that mix um and he as you can see he's continued to um serve our country well serve, serve the lord he believes in um he's been married for almost 50 years he has two children and nine grandchildren is that right oh you're tracking you were, you were about to fail this introduction until you mentioned the grandchildren part, so we're good. <laughs> well, let me pray and we'll uh, bring him into the room. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you for this time with Major General Bob Dean. Lord, we thank you for his uh, leadership, for, for him, uh, his resilience, Lord, and how he's going to work with others to bring them up to help make people um, better in life, to uh, handle the ups and downs to get through things, Lord. We pray that uh, his talk works through us today, Lord, and that we're able to carry that on in, in our lives, Lord. And as memory serves right, last year we were, um, he was coming through from Texas in the middle of an ice storm last year. So this year's a little bit different, right, Major Tim? Yeah, that's good. With no further ado, Major General. <laughs> Hey, thanks uh, to the uh, Bergen boys uh, that are spread in different places. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thanks, John. Good to hear your voice again. Um, I know Andy and Tom are down in Florida suffering for Jesus. So, uh, and uh, some of y'all are there in the club. So, yeah, it's better than uh, last year. No uh, Texas, no Mageddon. And uh, Andy was asking if the sun is up yet in Texas. And I said, no, it's not, but I can still see the moon. So, uh, good, to, good to be with y'all. I think about a year ago, we did talk, and we talked about uh, resilient aging. So, as I can see on the Zoom, everybody's a, a year, a lot younger than they were the last time we talked. No, I'm kidding. We're all getting older. That's relevant, the <clears throat> whole resilient aging thing. I'm not going to dive into that, though. I want to talk about something else. Uh, like you, maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a frog here. Like you, I, I really believe in trying to tee up fresh baked bread. So I want to do that with y'all is uh, 
work fresh baked bread. This is not a pitch I've ever given before. It's just out of my heart of what God has shown me uh, within uh, the last uh, 10 days or so. And it started off at a campfire. You know, we have this thing at Valor Farm uh, in Virginia, and it started off at a campfire last Sunday morning. <clears throat> we were, uh, had uh, a work group from Pennsylvania come in, about 40 folks, all ages. Uh, they've done some, did some wonderful work on Saturday. Uh, and then on, uh, on Sunday, we're around the campfire, cold, um, but uh, warm around the fire, singing songs, praising the Lord. And uh, they asked me to share a bit. Um, first, let me do a combo check. Everybody hearing me okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah, good. Okay. So they asked me to share a bit. And, uh, you know, to my left, there was a homeless veteran just off, just off the street. Uh, they picked, they, we policed him up the night before. Uh, to his left was a homeless veteran, uh, formerly an addict that's now a uh, new life in Christ, trying to figure things out. And as, as I looked around, there was a mother there with her, uh, it was pretty cute, uh, warm blanket, uh, six of her children huddled there on the ground by the fire. Uh, and then there were a lot of youngsters, uh, like, like young teens and young adults that had come with this church. They were in a leadership development program. And so as I looked around the group, I, I sort of was scratching my head, like, what do I say to this group? It's so diverse. It's so, and, and I recognized um, that it was all about identity. That was the common denominator. Basically, that was the common uncertainty with everybody around that uh, campfire. And uh, the the veteran to the left that I mentioned, he had a shaken identity because the things that he had seen and done in combat were so divergent from his deeply held core values that he had what we would today call moral injury. And then the, uh, the veteran that was formerly addicted, uh, his challenge with identity was he's trying to figure out his new identity in Christ, putting off the old man, putting on the new man. These were sort of like, and then the, the young children, the young youngsters, young children, they're young adults, uh, they're, they're still in the uncertainty of what is my purpose? Why has God created me? What is my identity? And wrestling with this notion of identity in Christ. And it's sort of like two bookends, the veterans who had experienced too much of life, if you will, and the young people who had not experienced enough of it and who were trying to figure it out. So after I shared my thoughts, uh, you know, just out of my heart from the Spirit's impression uh, on me uh, observing that, um, it became apparent to me that, uh, that identity was a critical factor for all of them. And I think identity is a critical factor for all of us. Uh, so today I want to tiptoe up on, on, on this uh, broad topic of identity, but specifically I want to address something I, I'll call the unique you. Uh, by the way, uh, Matt, every now and then I see a, an admit, I assume you're admitting people to the, to the thing here. Um, so I, I see, let's talk about the unique you. Um, uh, I, I'm sure every one of you this morning looked up uh, the definition of unique in the dictionary, uh, kidding, but, but what it says of being the only one of a kind, and it's unlike anything else. So that's what unique means, only one of a kind. So uh, a couple of pop questions, pop quizzes here early in the morning. First question is, what is unique about you? What is unique about you if you're there uh, with a buddy, turn, turn to your buddy, or if you're on Zoom, just, just think or write down, what's unique about you? I am unique because, just one or two things. Just take a second, because I'm going to ask you for some ideas here. 
and Matt, so everybody doesn't have to, in that room there, so everybody doesn't have to go on. Uh, you can uh, translate for me. Anybody in the room there? Is, uh, why are you unique? <laughs> Couple of ideas. Why are you unique? Help me out, man. What do you think, guys? Who's got one? Who's got one for the general? What's unique about you? God made us unique in his image. In his image? Okay, good. He made us. Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to keep going. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're still waking up. Uh, we, uh, you might say, well, my fingerprints are unique. And that's true. You've got unique fingerprints. Uh, these days, you might say my retinal scan is unique. And I, I learned just recently a new friend uh, that I've been doing some stuff with. He has uh, an invention. And uh, he, it's based on the fact that everyone's heart is unique. Their heartbeat, their heart uh, uh, electrical waves and so forth are unique. And so this particular gentleman, without naming names or uh, technologies, uh, has the ability to remotely monitor your heart and determine if you're Andy or if you're Tom Lane or if you're John Corcoran. Uh, and that, uh, if you think about the Intel business and detecting who is who and all that stuff, that's a pretty valuable thing. But the point is, we're all unique, and uh, as mentioned, God um, God created us in his image. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so now you're warmed up. What's the next pop quiz question? Uh, the question is, uh, why did God make zebras? Why did God make zebras? <laughs> That's a good one. So each zebra has a different stripe configuration no two are alike so there's an example of his creation being multi i guess faceted unique etc yeah that's a good one thank you andy so uh i i was asked that question by one of my grandchildren we had just uh, been to kenya and uh actually the grandchild wasn't with us but i was showing a picture of a zebra and so you know all the travel log and uh, so the grandkid said, uh, well, oh, why did God make zebras, the dad? And I said, golly, that's a good question. And I fumbled through, but then it, it bothered me. Uh, so I, I went through to the scripture. And as it turned out, I found uh, Psalm 111. And in Psalm 111, it starts off, you know, praise the Lord. I'll give thanks to the Lord with all my heart and the company, the upright in the, and in the assembly. Then it says, great are the works of the Lord, or the creations of the Lord, the great. They're studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Now here's the answer. It says, he has made his wonders to be remembered. So my answer to my grandchild uh, was God made each one of us, each animal, each tree, each blade of grass, each snowflake unique. Uh, to be remembered and then it goes on the lord is gracious and compassionate he's given to to everyone who is in need etc but the, the point is um, god has made us to be remembered each one of us not only but each 
of everything that he's created. So today, let, let's think uh, briefly, we're going to talk about the unique you and, and you're uniquely created, you're uniquely loved, and you're uniquely called. That's, that's all of us. So on created, uh, the, the first passage of scripture uh, as a young buck that I really memorized, it's actually a book, uh, excuse me, a, a, yeah, a book, a chapter uh, in the book, uh, Psalm 139. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Psalm 139. That's the one that starts off, oh, Lord, thou search me and know me. You know my downrising and my upsitting. You understand my thoughts from afar off. You're acquainted with all my ways. There's not a word in my mouth, but lo, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too great, it is too high. I cannot attain unto it. You get the point. Uh, I, I really committed that uh, to, to memory, and uh, I, I studied that. And if, if there's a takeaway from this message, I would encourage each one of us to, to, to take Psalm 139 and dive into it for a week or a month. Uh, and uh, there's some, no doubt some good study guides out there, but uh, my approach was just to dive into it and just listen to what God was saying. And, and there's really about three sections to it. Uh, the, the section I just sort of quoted uh, starts off at the very first, and that talks about how God knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows the words of our mouth before we speak them. It says the light and the day are alike unto him. And, and, you know, and then so he, none of that makes any difference to him. Nothing is hidden from him. So he knows us. And then the, the second portion of this, it's really the, the first in sequence. Let me read uh, just briefly. It says, you formed my inward parts. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I think that's, we, we acknowledge that, we give assent to it, but it, we're fearfully and wonderfully made and we're uniquely made. Um, and then it says, wonderful are your works and my soul knows it well. My frame, my body was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Uh, personally, I think that's a, a, a very powerful passage of scripture and it gets right to the heart of identity. We're made by the living God. We're made uniquely by the living God. And then in that passage of scripture, uh, the verses I cited, we're also known by him in every intricate detail. And then later in that chapter, it talks about what is our response to that. And our response is praise and worship and service to him. Um, and, uh, and then at the very end, there's a petition. And you may be familiar with that petition. It says, search me, O God, know my heart, know my anxious ways. Uh, and and that's, that's sort of like, uh, you know, many other prayers of, of penitence. Uh, and it says, and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So a second takeaway, in addition to sort of diving into this Psalm 139, I would encourage you to do that. The second takeaway is to just the prayer of petition. Search me, O God, and know my heart. We know that from the heart flows all things. Uh, heart, uh, you know, courage, for instance. The core of that is the Latin word core, which is heart. So, uh, you know, we, we really need to uh, continue on a daily basis 
and and at things like the upcoming retreat you guys are going to have you know we need to have god search our hearts and see if there's any anxious thoughts in us and, and then he'll lead us in, in the right path uh, so that that's the first notion that we're created by him and particularly we're known by him and i think that's awful important uh related to identity uh, the second thing we're uniquely loved by him uh, there's a Max Lucado book. Uh, it's called uh, John. It's called 316, The Numbers of Love, and it's all about John 316, for God so loved the world. 26 words, and it's a, he calls it a parade of hope. It talks about what God did, and then what what our response to what God has done. Uh, so I, I won't dive into that, but let me dive in, if you'll permit me, to a, a brief story from Ranger School. Uh, I was in Ranger School. Uh, as it turned out, uh, I, we were in the mountains of Dahlonega, Georgia, second phase of Ranger School. We'd had a huge ice storm. Guys are losing their grip, uh, slipping down the mountainside, going down 100 yards, hitting a tree, breaking their collarbone. They're out of the course. Uh, that wasn't my fate, uh, but uh, I had pneumonia. And I, uh, it got so bad that I had to go to the local country doctor. When they took me to the doctor, the, the net uh, was that he said, Ranger, you got pneumonia, you're out of the course. Now, these were the in the early days of Vietnam. And, and so uh, being out of Ranger School, as you're a young infantry officer preparing to go defend yourself, others, take care of your men, uh, was not just an inconvenient uh, event that took away a, a Ranger tab or something like that. It was your, it was your skills training that was going to keep you alive. And so it's sort of a big deal. He said, you're out of the course. So I went back and I was sort of in anguish and uh, I didn't sleep. The next morning, somebody came into our, our hut there in the woods and said, hey, anybody got to go to sick call? And so without asking or anything, I just jumped on the sick call truck, went back to the doctor. The doctor x-rayed me. Uh, hey, well, he was first, he was mad. And I said, will you x-ray me? And he said again, and he said, no, it's a waste. Don't, you're out of the course, Ranger. And finally, he just to get me out of his hair, he said, okay, I'll do it once more. He x-rayed me and he found that uh, my lungs were clear. And it's sort of like the man born blind or the boy born blind uh, was once blind, but now I see. So I, I, one day I had pneumonia, the next day it didn't. Uh, hard to explain how those things happen. You just give praise to God, say, thank you, Lord. Uh, but then in ranger school, they never do anything easy. It's always hard. So, so they... Uh, took me, gave me all my gear back and uh, put me out at a road intersection, dusty road intersection in the middle of the woods. And I waited there for two hours, four hours, six hours. And then right as dusk was happening, uh, a, a truck zoomed up and the truck, uh, out of the truck jumped these guys with black pajamas and pointy hats. And uh, you, if you're familiar with Vietnam, you would know those as Viet Cong role players. Uh, as it turned out. And they got out, they sort of beat me up a bit. They tied my arms behind my back with a bamboo stick, blindfolded me. And now a guy on my right and left, and then the patrol in front and behind, we're walking through the woods. And as we're walking through the woods, um, all of a sudden, all heck breaks loose. Uh, machine gun, da -da 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 -da, and uh, grenade simulators, artillery simulators. Uh, and those things are louder than 80s, you know, and it, it's all heck broke loose. And, and my bodyguards let loose of me, dropped me on my face in the dirt. And they're just, you know, groveling. And, and these guys are in the ditches returning fire because they're being attacked. 
all of a sudden I, uh, I feel a strong hand on my right arm as it really grabbed me. And he says, is that you, Bob? And I said, yeah, Chuck, that's me. And I recognized his voice in the dark. It was Chuck Grobney. He was my ranger buddy. And what's this all about? He said, come with me, Bob. And so he grabbed me and he pulled me off the road and he reunited me with my platoon. And I then discovered that I had been the object of a POW, prisoner of war snatch mission. They had snatched me and never before have I seen such a tangible expression of what God has done for us. God calls us by name. He lays hold of us and he transfers us from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. So when we're talking about God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's what his only son has done for each one of us. His only son has laid hold of us, called us by name, transferred us from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. That's probably why most of us are here listening today and seeking to lean hard into Jesus and, and uh, experience the true relevance of uh, biblical truth and relationship with God, with others, uh, because of all that he has done for us. So, yes, and, and he does this uniquely for each one of us. He uniquely loves each person. You know, you could say, God loves me. And he, he did, he laid hold of me in this way. He called me in this way. And he's transferred me in this way. And he continues to transfer us into uh, ever-increasing knowledge and wisdom uh, with him. So that's the second thing. Uh, he created us and he knows us. Secondly, he loves us. And then thirdly, uniquely, he has called us. Uh, you may remember from a lot of our discussion in uh, in some of the New Jersey uh, weekend retreat that we had, New Jersey, New York weekend retreat a couple of years ago, and then probably even last year when we were talking, uh, I often say that uh, uh, calling, calling is the golden thread of resilience. Uh, and in that paradigm, you know, the before phase is uh, the ounce of prevention worth a pound of cure. It's awful important uh, ahead of time, ahead of the storms, the trials of life, it's awful important to know our calling. That gives you a real assurance, a confidence, um, you know, sort of know why you're doing what you're doing. And then secondly, as you get into crisis, it's important to remember your calling, to gain altitude, mental and spiritual altitude, so that uh, when uh, all heck is breaking loose around you, you remember why you're there. You remember the God who put you there. And that's very important. And then finally, after the fact, after trauma, after transition, it's often a critical time to revalidate your calling. Um, often God will use those uh, body slams or life experiences to give us new uh, wisdom about him and about what he wants us to do in terms of calling. Uh, there are some verses that would apply to this. Uh, you, you, may, uh, you may know the one that uh, out of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And that's a, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That basically is our calling, the race that is set before us. God uniquely sets a race before each one of us, and, it, and it's different. And I would say parenthetically that that calling that we have uh, is not like uh, one and done. Uh, there are seasons of life. 
And I find that God is pretty agile and God will put us into a season of life. And we, we go for it. We lean into it. We are confident that that's exactly what he wants us to be doing uh, with our lives. That's our life purpose at that time. And then there will be transition points where we move into a new calling. In a military vernacular, things break at the transitions. And so we particularly focus on transitions uh, between combat events and things like that. So in a, in a life sense, we also need to focus on the transitions. We shouldn't fight them. We need to recognize if God gives us a new calling, it's time to loosen our grip on what was before and just open and lean into what's ahead of us. Uh, in my personal case uh, and with my wife, uh, Kathleen and I moved to Texas to help our son and his family during, uh, frankly, a crisis in, in their world. And uh, gratefully, over the last seven years, uh, he has navigated that. They're doing great. Uh, and uh, they, they, in fact, have moved to a different location in Texas. Uh, the, this chain of events and what's going on at Bower Farm in Virginia convinced Kathleen and myself that God had released us from this current calling and was now calling us into this next season. And so we, in the last week, have sold our house. Uh, we're packing our household goods right now, and within the next four weeks to six weeks, we'll be moving to Bower Farm in Virginia to lean into that calling that God has given us to invest in veterans, to return healthy veterans to America, to try to reshape the nature of veterans care in America so that we don't have 22 a day killing themselves. Uh, that shouldn't be happening in America. I'm not going to wind out on that, but that's an example of a season of life and each one of you is the same. You know, it's, it's uh, the temptation is even when God calls us to something else, the temptation is to hold on tightly because of the security of the past. So I just challenge us, really, let's look at this calling and let's listen to the still small voice of God. You may you also remember the verse of Philippians 1.6, for I'm confident, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in me, he who began a good work in you, We'll continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. Some of you may be familiar with the author that's uh, uh, Gordon MacDonald. Uh, he, he wrote a book called Mid-Course Mid Correction, which I, I think is a, a real classic uh, that I would refer you to. Um, and I'm going to read here. Uh, he highlights uh, John Keegan as a great historian, uh, the First World War. Sobering, sobering discussion of the British Battle of the Somme where the British suffered 425,000 casualties in one battle. And uh, they, they uh, said it threatened their vital optimism as a nation. And so he defines this vital optimism as, quote, a quality of spirit possessed by a community or a person where there is a persuasion that the best is yet to be. From such a spirit come increasing excitement, incentive, and the love of nobler purposes. So this, this notion of vital optimism. He further states that vital optimism is really hope, a confident expectation that history is going somewhere and that God, our creator and redeemer, is powerfully directing it. And I would add, not only that is, is that true for nations, but God, our creator and redeemer, is powerfully directing, powerfully calling each one of us as individuals. So I've thrown quite a bit out there. God uh, has uh, loved us. 
after he created us and he now calls us and so let me let me just say listen closely brothers and, and uh, i share this in love i know you agree with what i'm going to say but i but do we really believe it and live it our true identity cannot be in houses or lands fame or fortune our true identity must be in jesus christ who has called us by name who has laid hold of us and who has transferred us from this kingdom of darkness to his kingdom of light to serve him uh, to be fully known to be fully loved and to be called according to his purpose for which he created us now that's the good news this morning i share with you hopefully this challenges some and uh, i would just extend blessings to each one of you it's great to see you uh, at least on zoom and I'm glad to hear any thoughts or questions that you may have. I've saved some time so that we can uh, pat the ball around a bit. And frankly, I find sometimes during question and answer times of discussion, that's every bit as uh, relevant as anything I might have said before. Let's open prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for making each of us unique, the unique people around us. May we uh, learn how to help each other, learn how to embrace our own uniqueness, learn how to turn and count. You and to be resilient, Lord. Give us that strength to carry that out for a day and uh, put your kingdom first. Amen. Amen. Amen.